Hello, my name's Debbie Evans and I'm the nursing correspondent for UK Column. And today I'm really excited because I'm going to be talking about uh, my passion, which is nursing, um, so dear to my heart. And I'm joined today by the wonderful Jenna Platt. And I know that you'll all know Jenna from our previous interviews. Jenna is the nurse that walks and talks and has so much common sense, compassion and care. It's an absolute honour to share uh, uh, to share time with her. Um, before we go across to Jenna, though, there was a couple of things I just wanted to say, because, you know, nurses are there for patients. And this interview that we're going to do now isn't just for nurses, although I do hope that people will share it to nurses, midwives and nursing professionals, but it's also for members of the public. It's also for you, the patients, so you know what nurses do and why we signed up to do this job. It wasn't easy in my day. It was an honour to be accepted as a nurse. And I just want to highlight uh, an amazing book uh, that one of our audience sent us. It's called To Heal the Sick by Jane Dean. Um, and it's about nursing in the 60s. Now, I trained in the 70s and Jenna is a much more modern nurse. So we're going to be able to swap notes and talk about nursing. But also we're going to be talking about the Nursing and Midwifery Council Code of Conduct and how that affects nurses. And I just want to ask nurses out there that, you know, it's been a busy couple of years. It's been overwhelming and you're all tired and we know that. And we just want to ask you, perhaps, maybe you feel you've drifted away from the NMC Code of Conduct through no fault of your own. We just want to remind you what the NMC Code of Conduct is there for and how it can help you and how it can support you. So without further ado, I want to welcome Jenna. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us. Um, tell us what you've been up to and let's talk about what is a nurse, Jenna? Who are nurses of today? Thank you, Debbie. Um, who are nurses of today? Um, I'm going to sit on that one for a second. And what have I been up to? So I have been doing lots behind the scenes. I have been in conversations with the NMC about um, two things. One was a letter that I hand delivered uh, back in May 2021. And one is um, a pre-investigation to my fitness to practice. Um, so I've been in conversations with them about that, which I will be happy to share and discuss once that's kind of come to to an end and a conclusion. <clears throat> and I would just like to thank all your um, viewers for reaching out to me after the interview um, and sending their kind wishes, well wishes and feedback. Um, so thank you very much and sorry for the people that I've not had chance yet to reply to. So also what I've been doing is I've set up a podcast um, kind of little studio. So I'll have the mobile van and the podcast studio, which I will be getting back into from April. I'm very much looking forward to that. And a part of what I will be doing as well is getting on the street. I want to be talking to people. I want to be asking people questions and not getting mixed up with the algorithms and the kind of direction that big tech is kind of forcing us that makes us think everyone's thinking this and this is everyone's opinion. And I want to actually get to real conversations with the public and find out from them. So that's what I've been up to. And your question is, what is a nurse? So I qualified, um, I started my training in 2006 and I qualified, I've just turned 21. So all I've really ever known is nursing. And what I struggled with when I was doing my training was there didn't seem a clear distinction between the boundaries of whose job was what. And there was HCAs and they were doing all sorts of things. So they would be giving out menus, supporting with um, kind of nutritional needs, but also they'd be taking blood, doing observations, taking blood pressure and things. So to me, that's quite a big spectrum of responsibilities. And what I felt was missing was the absolute basics. 
the, the fundamentals, what I see care is being built upon, that wasn't seen as sexy. It wasn't seen as exciting or desirable for people to want to do that. Everybody wanted to learn new skills and it was encouraged. But then what I quickly learned was if you were sat down, you were not working. And I don't mean sat down behind a desk in the, the nurse's station or sat down in the staff room. I mean, sat down next to a patient. I think what you've said there is um, incredibly important. And I know it's something that we've talked about before, because um, what I love um, is being able to talk about my training as well in comparison to what we're seeing now. When I started nursing, it was all about basic nursing care. And no, it doesn't sound sexy, but it was never intended to sound sexy. What it was, was to put the patient first. And basic nursing care is the nursing care that takes you to the patient's bedside, making their beds. You know, whether I was a student nurse, uh, as green as grass on my first ward, or when I was a ward sister, I would still make beds. I would still mm. do bed baths. I would still take pulses. I would still stand by a patient's bed and, and I would count their respirations or I would count the number of drips going into the drip bag. But I would always be by the side of the patient's bed and I would always be talking to the patient. And basic nursing care for us was the dignity. It was the care and compassion that was needed to look after a patient, making sure that they were fed, making sure that they were drinking plenty. And if they weren't able to lift up a glass and drink for themselves, could we help them with a straw? Could we hold the glass for them? Had we maintained that patient's fluid balance chart? Have they had their teeth brushed? Has their hair been washed? Has it been brushed just before visiting time? And, you know, one of the things I always used to get told off for was we were told never to sit on a bed. But often sitting on a bed at three o'clock in the morning with a cup of tea, talking to a patient is the best medicine of all. And when we've spoken before, Jenna, and we've talked about basic nursing care, I'm just wondering, and, and I'd be really grateful for your opinion on this, have we drifted away into something so complex with all of this tech? Have, have, have our ambitions changed? Um, because in my day, basic nursing care was the fundamental principle of nursing. And that's what I signed up to do. So are we moving into such a tech environment that we've lost sight of the very patients that we're there to look after? I think so. I think that we've forgotten why we started we've forgotten what we're there for and i don't want that to sound as a criticism because i'm not i'm not disputing that people are working hard i'm not disputing that people are busy but i think that there comes a point where we we have to have a very honest conversation with busy doing what busy whose needs are we putting first so is it that we're putting the patient's needs first? Is it that we're putting our own career path first? You know, is it that we're putting um, the needs of the doctors and consultants first because we don't want to get told off by them or, or something? So, you know, maybe we don't want to rock the boat and have these conversations, but I think there's almost a collusion happening where we all kind of know that these things are being lost, but no one's having these conversations no one's saying it out loud and you know there's some awful stories where people have had you know meals left at the bottom of the bed and it's almost like I provided the meal well yes fantastic but if they're not able to support themselves if they're not able to reach it then we haven't we haven't met the absolute basic care and there's almost an irritation when people then complain or and complain sounds maybe a little bit harsh even just voice concerns and challenge you know why is my mum wet why hasn't my mum had her food why hasn't my mum had a drink why is that dirty cup still there that was there last night and there's almost an irritation when people start to ask these questions 
and the defensiveness. And it isn't that people are saying that you're not working or you're not busy, but why isn't this been catered for? Because if it isn't, if people aren't getting fed and watered, then it's not going to meet their end needs of being discharged, nursing them back to health. And I think that we have drifted from the patient, the person that we're there for, that we're there to support, that we're there to care for. And we've become very task orientated and looking at screens, relying on screens. We're no longer using our clinical judgment. Um, and I think there's a lot of fear as well. I, I don't know whether it was the same in your um, when you did your training, uh, Debbie, but with ours, it was certainly drilled into us a fear of you'll lose your pin, you'll lose your pin, they'll take your pin away in an instant. And I think that leads us into the discussion around um, the code of conduct about losing your pin. If you're not meeting someone's basic needs, why are we not worried about losing our pin number for that? I'm absolutely astounded because... um... We were never, we were never ever threatened like that. Um, back in my day, it was the General Nursing Council. Um, it wasn't the NMC. Um, uh, the the organisation has changed. The training has changed. You know, I'm beginning to wonder um, how the training has affected practical, practical, basic clinical nursing. In that, when I trained, I was thrown in at the deep end. I had eight weeks introductory course where we learned to make beds, hospital corners. Uh, we gave injections into oranges. Uh, we gave bed baths. And then we were thrown on our first ward and we went into school every three months, back into school and then onto a specialist ward or onto a general ward um, or onto a specialist area. Now, nurses need to have degrees in order to become trained nurses and I'm in my day it was never about degrees it was about good old-fashioned common sense and I think what you've said about the NMC code of conduct we never had that we had uh, we didn't really have it was embedded into us tender loving care was our mantra to treat every single patient as though they were our mother, our father, our brother, our sister. How would we feel if if this was one of our relatives? It was was automatically known and we had huge respect for our elders. We weren't frightened of losing a pin number. We were frightened of doing the wrong thing by somebody. We had huge respect for our seniors. If matron or a nursing officer would walk onto the ward and we were sitting down, we would stand up. There was a level of respect. But similarly, in my day, we didn't have trusts and we had hospitals and we had friendly rivalry and we looked forward to wearing our uniform with pride. And I think what's interesting today is that the NMC code of conduct is actually there to help nurses. And and I think that's what's so important about today's interview as well is to to reassure nurses, many nurses are feeling very uncomfortable, Jenna, with what they're being asked to do today. We're receiving a lot of emails from people within the hair, uh, within the health profession that are extremely uncomfortable. And what you've been doing is using the NMC code of conduct by saying to people that have maybe been a little bit upset with what you've said, is said, well, don't be upset with me. I'm just following the NMC code of conduct and you've spoken out and it takes bravery and courage to speak out as you have done. But what you've done is actually followed the NMC code of conduct. And I want people to be aware, especially nurses, that the NMC have got a YouTube channel with plenty of little short videos on the code of conduct. And I wonder maybe if now's a a good time, Jenna, that we just slip in and and look at one of those videos, the speaking up video, um, and where it encourages nurses um, to have that courage and professionalism to speak up. So before I bring you back, perhaps we could just have a little look at this NMC video. Let's talk about speaking up. Delivering health and social care is complex and carries all sorts of risks. As a nurse, midwife or nursing associate, 
you're often best placed to recognise things that might create risk or cause harm. We want you to feel confident about raising concerns because your professional code encourages you to take responsibility and speak up if you see something you feel isn't right. It could be something that puts people's safety at risk, like poor practice or inappropriate care. It might be something that violates someone's human rights, like discrimination. It could be something you know is unlawful. Or you may have been asked to do something you're not confident about. It can happen in any setting, in care, research, education or management. If you need to speak up, there are things you can do to make your voice heard. Make sure you fully understand any situation that doesn't look right to you. Try to see the whole picture. Gather all the available facts and any evidence you can find about the issue you're concerned about. Speak to your manager about your concerns first. If you can't fix the issue together, good organisations will have systems in place to help you. You may be worried about repercussions for you if you raise a concern. Remember that your nursing and midwifery managers and leaders are also bound by the code. They too have a responsibility to address concerns raised by anyone else. If you do need to speak up, you'll probably be anxious about it and you might feel angry about what you've seen. But if you let your feelings affect your behaviour, it will detract from the important message you're trying to give. So make sure you remain professional. Stay calm and set out your concerns constructively. Ask if there's anything you can do to help and ask for support. Speaking up takes courage and professionalism and it can save lives. Be confident and do it well. So there we go. Um, that little video was extremely interesting and it, clearly, Jenna, you are following wholly and solely exactly what the NMC Code of Conduct has clearly said. Um, before I ask you to comment about the um, NMC Code of Conduct and, and that little video that you've just seen, could you just clarify for our viewers and listeners what a PIN number is, a PIN number? Yes, of course. Sorry, there was a bit of presumed prior knowledge there. My apologies. So a PIN number is what a nurse receives. I'm sure there's other um, careers as well, but with a, a nurse PIN number, it's the number we receive that is I identifies us so it's like our driving license number um, and it's personal index number and um, so if there are any issues if you have got any concerns as you mentioned from a patient perspective you can always ask the nurse what their pin number is um, if that is um, appropriate for part of your kind of documentation and the NMC Nursing Midwifery Council will be able to find um, an individual's PIN number from the register that they are on. So it helps to identify the person as an individual, especially if people have got the same names and things. That's really helpful. Thanks for that, Jenna. Now, you have been speaking up. Um, you have been following the NMC Code of Conduct, just as that little video showed. Um, Jenna, how can we all follow your example? And and what have your experiences been through doing exactly what that video said, speaking up, being brave? I mean, you've had contact with the NMC, you've spoken to your managers, you've spoken to other nurses. What have your experiences been from speaking up? So my experience from speaking up has been a varied bag, really. I have had huge amounts of support, huge amounts. I've had huge amounts of people who have disclosed their difficulties in their um, work environments. I've also had a lot of challenges from people who aren't taking the time to actually see what my message is about. So an example is my husband's friend went on a date the other night um online date and somehow they got into the conversation and she said are you vaccinated 
And he said, no. And they got on the conversation and she said, oh, you're not one of them, are you? And he said, one of who? And then she started to talk about, and I'm not going to say the word she used, but, oh, there's an idiot nurse who's done really well out of what she's been doing. And um, she was going around telling people this, that and the other. And it's like, I actually know her husband. I've trained with her husband and that's not what she's doing. Um, so the date quickly ended. But she's a nurse who has taken my message completely out of context. So she hasn't found the time, as that video says, to find out all the information. Um, she hasn't, what I would say, acted professionally because she started to raise her voice and insult me and call me names without gathering the information. So I don't want people to think that this is an easy path to take. It does have its challenges. But for me, and I've said it in a few videos, but my conscience is clear, I can put hand on heart and know that I have done everything that's within my power and control to stick to the NMC code of conduct, which was what I signed up for, and my words and actions match. Um, so it's not an easy thing to do. There are challenges. You will find um, silent supporters who in the staff room will be saying, oh, gosh, I'm glad you're doing that. I'm not brave enough, but I'm glad you're doing it. And that can that can have its frustrations as well, because you think to yourself, well, if <laughs> if you did it as well, <laughs> if we all did it, if we all spoke up, this would be a lot easier on everyone. But for me personally, it was despite the um, the difficulties and the challenges. For me, it's an easier path to take than to take the path of doing nothing, because if everyone did nothing then we're enabling bad practice. Yeah, and that brings me on to good practice, really, because are we, in in my day, um, nurses were bustling around a ward. You saw nurses, but you knew who nurses were. When I go into a hospital today, I don't know who a nurse is. I don't know if they're a, a nurse, a trained nurse. I don't know if they're a, an HCA. I don't even really know what a healthcare assistant is actually in my day we had srn state registered nurses state enrolled nurses who did lots of i mean they were absolutely amazing we all loved to see a state enrolled nurse because they were the practical nurses they were the clinical nurses and they taught us all we needed to know about nursing care Today, I walk onto a ward and I don't know who I'm talking to. The uniforms, uh, a blue dress could mean that somebody's working for a domestic firm, whereas a blue dress in my day meant a ward sister. Are we expecting nurses to do too much? Have we, have we literally almost developed a new industry, a new profession um, in that nurses now of the past no longer exist and that nurses now are technicians and they're almost they almost seem to do jobs that in my day junior doctors would do so have we moved too far away and are we expecting nurses which is why we're degree nurse why we're using degrees presumably is that what we've moved to have nurses become technicians jenna i think so i i think it's um it's very easy to get swept up um, with the culture and kind of moving towards the tech and moving towards reviewing iPads rather than reviewing patients. And ultimately, an iPad isn't going to ask you to take them to the toilet. An iPad isn't going to ask you for another drink or something. An iPad isn't going to um, ask you any questions of when they're being discharged or can they have their medication. So I think from, from a a personal perspective I can see how it would be very tempting to kind of just focus on the tech and step away from the the patient um and you said about the the, the tech and the drifting away I think that it's very easy to get swept up with this because it's sold as making our lives easier it's sold that it, it's going to help to solve a lot of problems. And actually, it creates other problems. So 
and sometimes it's unintended consequences as well where people maybe didn't expect um, nurses not to look up from their iPads. I've had that reported a lot where they're at the bedside or at the end of the ward and they're just looking down on the screens and not necessarily looking up at people. So I do think people have become um, swept along and it's up to the individual to kind of like become grounded again, put the feet down, look around and say, how have I got here? <laughs> how have I strayed so far away from what I started from? Um, and become less task orientated, which being very busy on a ward, you have your list of 30 odd jobs. It's very easy just to be like tick, 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 tick. And you're not thinking about what you're doing or why you're doing it or how to manage your time better. And then the patient asking for a drink, the toilet, some reassurance is seen as an irritation because you, you just want to do your list. You just want to do that because that's what you get rewarded for. That's what you get praise for. Well done, Jen. Like, you know, you didn't hand over any jobs for us. Well done. Like, but people rarely say, you did a really good job talking to that patient there. You really reassured them. So we need to think about where we are directing our praise as well, where we're, where we're receiving praise. What messages are we getting from the managers and the doctors? Are we expecting too much? I think so. I think we do expect too much. And I think we've overcomplicated things. We need to get right back to basics, streamline, get rid of lots of things that, that aren't necessary and aren't helpful. Um, and I think that's what is creating the overwhelm and the pressure. And your final point, <clears throat> excuse me, about the uniform. So I've I've been in hospitals and care homes and um, home care um, environments, and sometimes the uniforms aren't even ironed. And you're like, come on, like have a bit of pride. And if you're not ironing your uniform, like what else don't you see is important? And I, I just think it's too confusing because um, like a navy blue in a nursing home is different to a navy blue in a home care company is different to a navy blue in a hospital. So I think there's there's lots of different areas where people are becoming confused with what does that mean? There's not a universal um, uniform colour and, and that confuses people. I loved my uniforms and and um, we'll see a couple of pictures of, of me in my uniform. And I was very disappointed at my training hospital because we had the national uniform, which um, wasn't the uniform I wanted. I wanted the starched apron, which, as you'll see, I eventually got at St. Bartholomew's. But we had this enormous pride in our uniforms and we all had to send our uniforms to the hospital laundry to be laundered. I mean, we, you know, we had indoor and outdoor uniform. And if we were seen in the wrong uniform, we would get hauled over the coals. Um, and it wasn't just us that loved the uniforms as well, that had pride in them. But it was the patients. The patients felt re very reassured because they saw nurses bustling around the ward. They heard the uniforms. Sometimes the starched aprons would make a little bit of a, a, a bustling noise and they'd enjoy that because they knew that there was somebody there. And I think that our identity maybe as nurses has been almost, almost eradicated. I mean, I'm really sad that it seems that some airlines uh, their staff take more pride in their uniforms than than we do. And certainly I see people in hospitals with uh, jewellery and all sorts of different kinds of footwear. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, we would never have been allowed that in our day. So I think nursing nurses are losing their identity. And I know that many nurses that are watching this, they didn't sign up to the job for money. Um, yes, of course, they need to be able to put food on the table. Of course, we all need to be able to survive. But they didn't sign up for the money. They didn't sign up for people to bang pots and pans either. They signed up because they cared, because they wanted to do the job. And and I look to all of all of my colleagues in the NHS and I have to call myself a retired nurse because I'm not no longer registered because I'm retired. But I have to look at my colleagues and think, yeah, you you all signed up for the right reasons. And yet 
you're now being almost with this cascade of information and this technology you're being almost set up to fail and people are now looking at you and they're they're asking questions they're challenging you and i think nurses have been put in a very unfair position but i also want to to look at accountability too jenna and we've got another little video um that's called accountability from the nmc um website so let's have a little look at that and maybe we can discuss a bit on accountability let's talk about accountability as a registered nurse midwife or nursing associate you are a professional it means you have an assured level of knowledge and skill it means you're of good character delivering kind safe and effective care you uphold the values of your profession and people have confidence in your judgment. You earn people's trust by being prepared to take responsibility for your actions, actions that can affect people's lives. But it doesn't end there. Taking responsibility is the first step. Then comes accountability for the decisions you make when caring for people who use services, for your own health and well-being and for the health and well-being of colleagues, students and learners. Being accountable means being open to challenge. It means being held to account for your actions and being able to confidently explain how you used your professional judgment to make decisions even in complex situations. It's all part of being a professional and it deserves huge respect. As a professional on our register, we want you to feel confident about making decisions that benefit the people in your care. And with that confidence comes accountability. The code highlights things you can do in your professional routine to help make sure your decisions and actions are the best they can be. Make sure you keep your practice knowledge up to date. Review your practice using feedback from people and your colleagues to understand the outcomes of your decisions. Reflect on what you did to see if you could have done it differently or would do it differently next time. Take care of your own health and well-being. You'll recognise that all these things contribute to revalidation. Being accountable can mean that you alone have touched a person's life and made a difference but it can also be the difficult act of admitting you've made a mistake. We know that professionals can sometimes make mistakes in tough situations. That's why our work looks at the context in which mistakes happen. So there we have it. Um, I think the message there is quite clear. We want you to feel confident and safe. And that's what Jenna and I are hoping that we can help our colleagues watching this today, that we can help you feel confident and safe and Jenna we've all made mistakes um, all of us what are the kind of mistakes that we seem to be making today how are you finding that impacting on today's life and in the era that we're living in now accountability I think it's almost um, an acceptance people are almost just accepting that that's what happens people have almost become blasé and you were talking about, um, you know, if, if the matron came on the ward, people would stand up and the pride that you took in your uniforms. And I think, I think we've almost created a monster. We've just created something so big within the NHS that who's, who's in control? Who's driving it? What direction are we going in? And I think there's, there's so much red tape and there's so, so many clicks and, internal politics that it's it's just almost become like that that's just how it is here that's just how it is it's all it's always been like that and I would always say to people so people would say oh you know it's been like that for 10 years for 20 years it's always been like that but why are you doing it wrong why are you still doing it wrong it's all right it being like something for 10 years but you have to do it right and if we're not challenging and it said about be open to challenge and explain judgment 
um, your clinical judgment. And that's not to say that everybody will act in the same way every time, because we're all looking at life through a different lens and we've all got very different experiences and priorities. But the thing, the, the thing that kind of stuck me to, to my message was I can explain what I'm doing. It might be different to what you're doing, but I'm sticking to the NMC code of conduct, which is informed consent, informed voluntary consent. Yes, no, and no, right, not right now. And we were never given any guidance to say that we shouldn't be sticking to the NMC code because of there was never that that issue of a statement that because of COVID, things are going to change. So for me, we were still to be sticking to the NMC code of conduct. And I think just going back to basics, streamlining the process, looking at ourselves, looking at our practice and thinking about what am I happy to be part of? What am I, what, what am I enabling to happen and to just turn in a blind eye? Um, and we've got about taking responsibility, account, accountability for actions and omissions. So what we do and what we don't do. And I think it's really important just having to think about if we want to make a change, we have to be a change. We have to do things differently. And that might not change the behaviour of everyone on your ward. But you do things right, not oh, I'm doing it like this because everybody else is doing it. It's very interesting you say that because maybe people say, oh, stop living in the past. You can't turn back time. But actually what we're saying is we need to get back to basics. And the basics in my day um, and the young nurses of today may not realize this, but in my day, nurses were looked after. You know, we really were looked after by our hospitals, by our colleagues by our nurse tutors, by our nurse educators, by our nursing home wardens. You know, we had home wardens. We had a nurse's home provided. So we had accommodation provided. We were never expected to travel to the hospital alone. There was always a hospital minibus that would take us for our shifts. We were cared for. Um, we had rules and regulations. It was a bit like being um, at a boarding school almost. Um, and I'm sure some of my colleagues that are watching from the 60s and 70s will remember the home warden. You know, the, the gentlemen weren't allowed in, in, in nurses' homes, especially not after 10 o'clock. And if gentlemen were, were found in a nurse's home after that time, um, you were hauled up in front of your nurse tutor or your or your matron. So you know, but we were looked after. And again, I'm thinking to myself with this, these degree, these degrees and nurses having to fund accommodation and maybe having to look after a family at the same time. Should we actually go back to almost where nursing was a, an, an almost on the job apprenticeship where they were student nurses with a heartbeat of every hospital? A hospital couldn't operate without student nurses and if you didn't like nursing when you when you joined up you'd leave pretty soon it wouldn't be 18 months into your training or two years into your training that you decide actually this isn't a career for me you would know pretty soon so should we be going back to those kind of basics Jenna in that we we learn to look after our nurses our nurses feeling as though they've just been abandoned has it changed that much I think so. And I think um, I think with doing a degree, there is an expectation of hierarchy. And then and we keep on saying about like, going back to basics, um, the expectation of doing a, a degree isn't that you then go and do the basics. So I think that is is something that needs to be considered. And for me, the focus is more on passing the exam, passing the test, writing all these words to get your assignment in. That's where the stress is. That's where the focus is. Because, you know, if you are exceptionally kind to a patient, that's not getting marked. But the essay is. So I think the focus um, needs to be brought back. And also, what is the incentive for someone to do their nurse training? They're getting into debt. 
they've got the fees, they've got, like you say, sorting accommodation out, families out. They've got to pay for parking. That minibus sounds great. Like the, the cost of parking to go to work and I don't know about most, most hospitals, but I know the ones that I um, use, the parking's horrendous. So you're paying for it and you, you can't even get a space. Then they'll put a ticket on you. So I think I have to ask myself, what is the incentive? Because we're told to be caring, we're told to be kind, but who's caring for us? Who's helping meet our needs? Who's giving us a pat on the back? Who's saying... Do you need support? Are you okay? You know, it's almost we have these traumatic events happening on our day-to-day shift, and then we're just expected just to go home and not have any time for reflection. Um, You know, and some of the things really do impact you, what you see, and there's almost no consideration for that. So I think, again, I'm saying it again, and I'm sorry, but go back to basics like let's look after each other let's let's because if we can't look after each other you know in the staff rooms and on the wards we're not kind of replenishing our energy to be able to go or leave the staff room leave handover and go onto the ward enthusiastic and energetic and feel well supported and you know think about i've got maslow's hierarchy of needs up but the things that we need, you know, to be able to perform um, properly. And that's as much psychological safety as it is having our basic needs met and being supported and feeling like we can rely on people and we can say openly, do you know what? I made a mistake. And really, really reviewing that. And as that video said, looking at the context, because any nurse who says they've not made a mistake you're either making them without realizing and nobody dares tell you or you're lying i think everyone has made a mistake at some point in their career and learned from it and there almost seems to be um i don't know what word i'm trying to say but people are almost trying to hide that they've made mistakes but unless we talk about them i don't think we can learn from each other's mistakes and then not make those same ones or not try and prevent them from happening again everything that you say is kind of like we could actually fix this you know we could actually fix it because what you've just said is that you know we're not we're not supporting each other um there is no support there's no one to talk to and yet when i go back again go back to basics i'm really sorry to have to go back to the 70s but and the, the 60s but When we joined up as nurses, we joined up in what was called a set. So there may have been 70 of us. We were generally all 18. Um, We were all the same age. We were all living in the same nurse's home and we weren't just living with our own set, but there were second year nurses and third year nurses. So we lived with our colleagues, with our peer group, and they were our support. And if we needed support from our nurse educators, because we were always in contact with them, we got it. There was this camaraderie. There was this, it sounds really cheesy, but we did feel as though we were part of a family. And it was our hospital. I trained at the Royal Free and I did postgraduate at Barts. And and I worked in many other hospitals. And every hospital that I was in, I felt a part of. I felt a loyalty to, and we supported each other. So are we saying that nurses are so busy? I'm not quite sure what they're busy doing, to be honest. Um, And I'd be really fascinated to know what they're doing. But are they so busy that they're not supporting each other? Is that what we're missing? Are we missing a a vital component in, in this, in helping each other? Yeah, I think so. And I think we can... I think if people were to take a step back and really look at what they were doing and really think about how they were going to plan their day. But unfortunately, I don't think people, because when when you're a nurse, you, you sometimes are one of the most senior people on shift, especially at the weekends. And I don't think um, people are given any information about how to 
manage a team and delegate appropriately and you know it's a different style of communication than it is at the bedside and there there also from my experience hasn't been a presence of the ward manager or the matron really taking control and directing the nurses it's kind of it's almost like no one wants to do it no one wants to really take charge because if you're asking people to do certain jobs then there's possibly you're going to be unpopular that day or something so I think really deciding who is on who is in charge and what does that mean and what do we go to you for and where does your jobs end and my job begin um and yeah about looking after each other again I think this created a monster where it's just so big now and everyone's kind of going in their own direction and no one's just stopping for a moment to think why are we so busy and I think that I'm really process focused and I want to find where I can efficiencies in doing things but that takes a minute to step back and think okay well I'm doing this and I'm doing that how can I cut that those five um, sections into three sections let's say but that time isn't considered of how we can reduce certain processes. It's, we just keep on doing the same thing and then we keep on complaining about being busy to the point where it almost becomes our whole identity. I'm busy, I'm busy. And we almost just like, we don't even think about saying it. We're just kind of on repeat, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. Um, and then we get ourselves into a flurry and who would we be if we weren't busy? What would we be doing? And is that just an expectation that we're always busy and that we don't have that time to sit down for five minutes? Some of my best conversations, and I know I got upset on the last one and I don't want to get upset again, but some of my best conversations have been that I'm I'm thinking about um, a few patients, but just sat, just sat and just holding the hand and there's one lady in particular that I'm thinking, this is when I was working on the agency, where she knew she was going to have her medication quite late. And I think it was like 11, half 11 at night. She knew she was going to have it late. But she would rather stay up late and have her medication late because I could sit down while she had a cup of tea. So with her late medication, I'd take her a cup of tea and we'd sit down. And there was another lady who I'd, I'd give her her medication last and <laughs> um, her bed would be like lowered right down um, to the floor. Well, not quite, but almost to the floor. And I'd just kneel next to her and just hold her hand. And then she's like, oh, come here. And, you know, she, she'd want a hug. And I was able to see, you know, what was she declining? Was she improving? What's her mood like? you know, why is she not eating? And we were able to have those conversations, whereas walking in the room and just doing what you've got to do and, you know, not just taking a minute, just having this busy, 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 busy mindset and just seeing it from the patient's perspective. How would you feel if you had someone just whiz your curtains open fill in a chart and then go off and say they'll be with you in five minutes and then you never see him again. I just want to say with regards to being busy, we had a very distressing email from um, someone that whose mother had died in, in hospital and she'd gone to the nurse to say that her mother had passed and the nurse said, I'm busy, go and find someone else. I mean, I was completely shocked and, and it, you know, you've just mentioned a cup of tea and some of my... <laughs> People need to realise, and I don't want to get upset now, because I still remember many of my patients um, holding their hands um, as they were passing away. It was it was the most humbling, biggest privilege of my life. See, you see, I, I'm getting upset now. But that's what nursing was about, holding hands, having a cup of tea, breaking the rules and sitting on a bed if you had to, giving a patient a hug, touch, being with that patient. And, you know... You said um, at the beginning of the interview that nurses have got tick lists. I don't understand a tick list because for me in my day, 
when we went on shift, we had a, a nurse's report and we had to know all of our patients. So if we were allocated, we weren't allocated patients, we were allocated Mrs. Brown, we were allocated Mr. Green. Our patients had names, they had personalities, they had medical histories, and we were expected to know every single one of our patients. And the first thing that we did when we'd had the report was we'd get up and we'd say good morning to our patients. We'd say hello to our patients. Our patients would know who was looking after them that, that for that shift. And we would know who we were looking after. So there was, there was always that understanding. And with regards to ward management, and I know a lot of my generation will be saying, we did more ward management assessments. You know, we did practical assessments that were part of our examination process. So as well as doing a, a finals exam, we would do a drug assessment, we would do ward management, we would do aseptic technique, we would do different practical assessments. We always knew who was in charge of the ward. The ward manager was never a, never a term, it was either the ward sister or the staff nurse. You knew exactly, and that staff nurse and sister would walk around the ward at the beginning of every shift and say good morning or good afternoon to all of their patients and when they were going off shift they'd say good night or goodbye so the tick list is absolutely i mean i'm i'm staggered because have we really are nurses saying hello to patients are they smiling at their patients or have we drifted away from that because we've become again too busy is it that simple yeah and i can only talk of my experience um but as i say it it was not directly said to me but i i kind of read between the lines of if you're sitting down you're not working and i found it very difficult because then i didn't want to get told off i didn't want to get you know in the office for not doing my job so the priority was that i got all the the um, jobs on my list completed. And I found that very difficult. And that was why I didn't want to work in the NHS because I found it very confusing how we were talking about person-centered care, yet the care Debbie that you've spoke about seems more person-centered. We just seem to be doing the paperwork to say that we're person-centered and we have these huge care plans and all this information about you know what what sleeve um does this person like their tissue up and it's like nobody's reading this information but if you actually took the time you know rather than trying to pretend that we're reading it or i don't know if you've seen the care plans i mean they're huge um rather than being in the office and saying that we're updating care plans that nurse would be so much better um appreciated and their skills used better if they were actually with the person rather than writing these reams and reams and reams and it's just it's all about um compliance rather than care is, is what i'm seeing so what i want to do jenna is we've got one more clip um from the nmc code of conduct um and i think this is professional judgment but i i want i'm 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 keeping an eye on the clock because what I want to do really is leave with a message to of what nurses can do, what you feel that they can do, what are their, that they're watching this video, uh, this interview, and they're thinking, yeah, I'm, I have drifted away from my code of conduct. So after we've seen this next little video, maybe we can talk about what nurses can do and what patients can do and what patients should perhaps expect before we um before we come to because we're going to have to do more interviews i can see because there's so much involved in this but let's just have a, a a little look at the next clip let's talk about professional judgment as a nurse midwife or nursing associate you use your professional judgment to make decisions you use it every day in everything you do instinctively and confidently. But difficult decisions, especially in unprecedented circumstances, will challenge your professional judgment and your ability to make good, 
and non-biased decisions. What can you do? First, make sure you have all the information you need to make a decision. Second, are you sure you know what you don't know? Third, do you have to make a decision on your own? If you can, share the problem with your manager or a colleague with more knowledge or experience. The right answer won't always be obvious, but together you can highlight the risks and find solutions. This will support your professional judgment in making the decision. But what if the situation means you have to make a decision alone? There are principles in your professional code to help you. Put safety first, whether it's people you're caring for, your colleagues or yourself. Make sure you have all the information you need and base your decision on the best evidence available. Consider the preferences, needs and wishes of the people who might be affected by your decision. Record how you made your decision, taking into account all of these factors. All of us will make the wrong decision at some point. Maybe because we were facing a difficult situation with no obvious right answer. Or the outcome was poor, even though we took everything into consideration. We know not every decision will be the right one. But that doesn't always mean it was a bad decision or that anyone else would have done things differently. What matters is that you considered all the facts, asked for support if it was available, then took the best decision you could and recorded it so you can always explain it in the future. Well, I think we can agree that we are living in unprecedented times and um, nurses have been on un unprecedented circumstances. The biggest message of that for me was safety. And I know and I hope very much, Jenna, that we'll be able to do another interview purely on patient safety because it's such a big standalone subject. But I mean, that video said that many people will be affected by decisions that we are making. Um, are you finding, Jenna, talking to people, that nurses are feeling uncomfortable about decisions that they believe may be not in the patient's best interests or may be affecting their lives in a negative way? You know, because this um, professional judgment is incredibly important and I'm wondering if we've lost our way a little bit on that. Through no fault of our own, it's just that circumstances, these unprecedented circumstances, have put nurses in a very difficult position. Yeah, and I think again, it, it says in the um, on that video, you know, your preferences. Um, consider the preferences of those of the decisions that we're making. So, in informed voluntary consent, yes, no, not right now. And I would always say that we might not make the same decision, but as long as you can justify why, as, you, as long as you can demonstrate why you did what you did at that time, because we can only work with the information that we've got available to us. And that might be that you're not the person to make the decision and that we need to get somebody else involved. So I think that the, the people who are having conversations with me about the difficult situations that they're finding themselves in and feeling that safety is being compromised and that their um, professionalism is being compromised. Again, and we've said it, but go back to basics. Try and just pause for a minute and go through the NMC code of conduct. And in that short video as well it reminds us to record everything so if it is that we need to be documenting why we did so i made this decision based on this section of the code of conduct i made this decision based on this piece of the policy and always go back to these um these codes legislations policies and procedures because they are there to help us you know, there's probably been a lot of money spent on those videos and all the leaflets that are out there and the posters that they put there. And I think as you started the video, 
we have to remember that it is there to help us. And these videos are demonstrating to us that they're encouraging us to speak out. They're encouraging us to make these difficult decisions. And as long as you stick to that code of conduct, you're doing nothing wrong. I think that's so powerful. Um, And it's going to mean difficult conversations as well. And I think nurses out there listening the code of conduct really is there to help you and Jenna is just following the code of conduct which I'm hoping that all of you will be able to review and look back at and think "Mm, maybe I just need to to bring myself a little bit back down to basic nursing care are you smiling at your patients are you talking to your patients are you touching your patients or do you feel as though you're being moved into an office situation or into another room away from your patient and you're missing your patient care and you're you're missing patient contact i completely understand if you do and and i think for patients patients ask the questions just ask a nurse if you don't know who you're speaking to ask them excuse me i'm I'm not sure who you are what do i call you Uh, what's your name um because I've made the mistake of speaking to people that I've thought are nurses or doctors and, and they haven't been. They've been other other workers in within the hospital. So patients ask questions. And I think we all need just to go back to the basic of basics, Jenna, which is tender loving care. Because in my day and still in 2023, it's free. And mm-hmm. holding a patient's hand and caring for them and looking after them in their most vulnerable of times because I think sometimes we forget that nobody wants to be in hospital nobody wants to have to see a nurse or a doctor and often when you do these patients are anxious they're frightened Mm -hmm. they're in completely new environments we we're used to the environment we're used to the hospital smells we're used to the routine we're used to the noise we're used to the hustle and bustle but they're not and so much now today sadly patients are on their own in the NHS and so for nurses to go back to basics and to smile and to hold patients hands I think is the most valuable medicine of all but I want to as always leave with you Jenna um, because you've got so much coming up and you're going to be asking you're going to be asking people questions and they are going to be difficult questions and I hope I hope very much we can catch up and and talk about the results that you've got but I'd like to leave on the last word from you as a nurse a registered nurse in 2023 Um, where are we going what should we do and what's the hope for the future Jenna over to you with the nursing, what, what I would like to see, what my hope for the future is, is that people watch this and they do review. Because sometimes like we we did the code of conduct and we only look at it when we do a nurse training and then we forget about it. So have a look, remind ourselves. And it's very easy to have almost a sense of helplessness that we, there's nothing we can do. What can I do? I'm just one person. I'm just one nurse. What can I possibly do? And have a think about, rather than focusing what you can't do or what is difficult or what seems too big of a task, think about the things that you can do. And like Debbie, how you said about smiling to the patient. And that might be something that you say to yourself, do you know what, I'm just gonna smile every single day to the patients because they're not, it's not their fault that you know I'm feeling stressed or busy or whatever. And a smile can make such a difference. I um, So I sometimes, if I'm um, just busy washing up or whatever, I'll watch fails on YouTube. And then I decided to watch wins instead of fails. So rather than people kind of having mishaps, I then started to watch uh, wins, which are videos of people throwing a basketball from one end of the court and it goes into the hoop. And how I felt after watching wins versus how I felt after watching fails was worlds apart. I I felt great. I felt so positive and energized. And I think if we can bring that out um, onto the ward, onto our kind of our shift, 
we're not going to be able to change everyone. Not everyone's going to want to come with us and, and, and stick to the code of conduct. And I think realizing that we can only do what we can do. So sticking to the code of conduct, even if it doesn't feel like everybody else is, seeing what's happening with around you. And if you are able to challenge at that time, challenge. If you're not, how can you gain the confidence that will allow you to start um, speaking out? Um, but ultimately, you need to do whatever is within your power and control. And there's always something that can be done. And that thing might be, as Debbie says, start with that smile. Um, and as we've talked about a lot, going right back to basics. So that's my hope that, that this kind of encourages people to really reflect on where are they? What are they doing and what can they do? And I personally think that it improves job satisfaction then. So we start to enjoy going back to work again. So that, that's my kind of final thought. What can we do that's within our power and control?